He's the host with the most. And this is The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. Good morning. Yes, indeed, it is the Saturday show and indeed it is me, Edward Hayden, with you right through until 12 noon and hopefully you're in a position to stay with me and us here on KCLR until then and indeed lots happening right throughout the day on KCLR. Thanks so much to Natalie for easing us gently into our Saturday morning with lots of music and chat and of course the uh, Saturday morning quiz that takes place on that show. Arash Arish, the Saharan Shafun, the Gun of Day. Gormila Mahagoth to Angela Doyle Stewart. How lovely is it to have Angela Doyle Stewart back in the building this morning with Newark on Lay? And I can tell you, she is as effervescent as always. So, Mila Buikas to Angela and Arash Arahim Big. Uh, Arish. Now, what have I coming up on the show this morning? Well, I have lots lined up, as always, for your Saturday morning uh, delectation on the radio. Very shortly, we're going to have our resident gardening expert, Shirley Lanigan. She's going to be with us to chat through all of your gardening conundrums. Now, gentle parenting. Are any of you gentle parents? That is my question. Well, we're doing a lovely feature on gentle parenting, um, which is a method which has been around for a long number of years, uh, where you respond and be responsive to children needs, recognising all of them as individuals and uh, all of them requiring different types of care. Kelly Medinos Enos, uh, who is an influencer and gentle parent uh, advocate, is joining us a little bit later in this morning's show to chat through all things around that. Jerry Kavanagh, uh, who is on the organising committee at Unad Dara in Goresbridge, is coming on to tell us about the Maeve Vaglik concert, which is taking place at Unad Dara on the 1st of September at 8.30. And of course, Maeve daughter of the late Seamus Begley well known and well respected from the Irish music scene um, will be performing in Inad Thara now of course the um, what will we call it the Ryan Tuberty uh, Kevin Backhurst debacle has become reignited uh, during this week with the initial publication of the Grant Thornton report followed by the statement by Ryan Tuberty followed by the statement uh, by Kevin Backhurst saying that Ryan Tuberty was being um, essentially dismissed from his uh, morning radio position and that the talks uh, with regard to the resumption of his broadcasting career at RTE had been um, had been suspended. So there's been great fallout about that and great commentary about that. Miriam Donoghue, former journalist and communications consultant consultant, excuse me, at MT Media will join us after 11 to chat us through all things about that. It's the Tullow Show tomorrow. Um, so Richard Codd, who's the president of the Tullow Show, will be joining us to tell us all about that uh, a little bit later on. And we're also going to be checking in in activities at the Town of Books Festival in Gregnamana. So lots lined up this morning. Wasn't it shocking weather last night, I tell you. Betty, I feel like saying Betty is a B.I. Um, but anyway, she wreaked havoc uh, last night and um, as you heard in the news there are lots of trees down and lots of damages to uh, electricity wires and power outages right across Carlo and Kilkenny with um, the electricity suppliers saying that they are working on the resumption of power so um, check uh, out your nearest area for details on that and of course any details that we have throughout the morning we'll bring them to you uh, as well for sure and certain. Now um, let's check in with our resident gardening expert Shirley Lanigan who joins me on the line. Shirley good morning. <laughs> good, good morning Edward. We're all in one piece. 
we're all in one piece. Isn't she a devil, that old Betty one? I tell you something, if I could get my hands on her, <laughs> I'd give her what for and who began it. My friend is in uh, Porto in Portugal at the minute and texted me last night um, early in the evening, mind yourself with Betty. And I was kind of thinking, Jesus, who's Betty? What's going on? What's wrong with Betty? You know, what have I done? And then it took me a while to, to register what indeed Betty was. Um, a lot of damage to trees, surely, in the kind of the main public arenas, which can only but suggest that lots of gardens were damaged and lots of branches and trees and flowers and shrubs becoming denuded. Uh, give us a sense of your own garden this morning. Well, no, I'm actually, I'm in my mother's garden in Clownmel uh, today. And oh. the, the hilarious thing is I just went out. She's got pots all over the place at the back. So many of the pots were lying over. Anything tall in a pot, the flowers were had been timbered. So there's going to be a lot of flowers being brought in for cut flowers. You would approve. Yes, of course. Lovely lovely gladioli and they all oh they're all they've all got to be brought in and a lot of pots have fallen over luckily none have broken but that's going to be something people are going to be finding are cracked pots broken pots and oh that's going to be awful but um the hilarious thing is there were actually three window boxes that with all of that rain because of the direction of the rain i had to water them this morning they're as dry as pepper could you believe Dry as birds. So always keep an eye on for that sort of thing. Anyway, go and walk around your garden and just see what the damage is. You might see that there are branches that have snapped off off trees. Hopefully they're only small ones. If they're large ones, you're going to have to uh, think think about how you'll get that sorted. But if there are smallish branches that have been snapped off, you'll have a, a, a rough old scar on the tree where the, 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 the branch was pulled, pulled, pulled away. And what you need to do soon is get at that with a, a saw and tidy up the wound so that you don't have a jagged, gaping um, injury to the tree that is uh, a welcoming point for disease and, and that to, to, to get in and for rain to gather and go in and rot, rot, rot the, 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 the plant. So take a walk around and see if there's any branches that need to be, they might be hanging on by the skin of their teeth in which case you want to cut them off. In some cases, if you've got a branch that it's it's sort of, it looks like it's cleanly coming off but hasn't completely come off, if you're in a position to and you've got people to help you, you can sometimes bandage that that branch back together again and then uh, give it a rest or a stake or something so that the the pressure is off the wound. And if it's bandaged well enough with uh, something like hessian or sacking or something natural like that or or lots and lots of of, of rope and twine and and anything that you can find to bandage it up that's not plastic. Tightly bound, Shirley. Tightly bound, yeah. You might find that you can knit a, a knit a, um, a, what was looking like a clean break, a clean half break back together again. If it doesn't work, you know, in a few months, you can always sew it back off. But if you want to try and save a branch that, that looks like it's savable, you can do that. I've seen it done very successfully in a lot of cases. Or sometimes when you have a forked 
shrub or a forked tree and they look like they're being split further apart and you can see that there's a, an, an open gash down there at the bottom of the fork, you can sometimes bind them back together again, again with something like hessian or rope um, and just give it that chance to knit back in while there's still growth going on. And Shirley, can I ask a stupid question? Um could could you, if you were handy yourself or you had someone in the house who was handy, could you use some sort of like a, a, a splint? Like, could you kind of screw a little bit of wood to it to try and kind of do that under the hessian or does that kind of defeat the purpose? No, so long as you've got them back nice ni- nice and tightly bound together, it should do it. Okay, interesting. I never heard of that. Yeah. We're so familiar with going to uh, uh, orthopaedic surgeons for uh, for that to happen with our legs and our feet and our arms, but the same uh, principles apply to, to trees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they can. They, 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 you know, they're growing. They're, they're growing entities. And if you, if you get them and get them in time and get them when the conditions are right, you can knit them back together. It's particularly if you've got a shrub or a tree that you love the shape of, and and you know that taking off that branch that's sort of half hanging uh, is going to ruin the shape of it. If you think you can save it, if it seems like a feasible thing, it's worth it's worth the experiment. And boy, if it works, I mean, you'll pass that forever after and feel, you know. 10 foot tall. Of course you will. You think you are Shirley Lanigan. You'll be so uh, expert in the world of gardening. <laughs> Shirley, Anne needs a little bit of help. So you're the woman to help her because Anne has texted in and said, I'd like to ask Shirley, why are the tips of my aloe vera turning red? It's about two years old, says Anne. I'd like to see a picture of that. Red or red or rusty brown dry. That's what I'm 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 wondering. Um, I'd like to see a picture. Because aloe vera, of course, has those long, kind of very elegant type of uh, type of leaves, don't they? They're 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 they're, well, they're pointed, but they're also quite fleshy. Now mm. there are there are scores of different varieties of aloe vera. So, you know, I don't know which one she's talking about. But in general, they will finish with the point. Now, sometimes that point, which is almost thorn-like, will look brown and and, and rusty in colour in comparison mm. to the, 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 the green. And if it's, if it's only just down there at the tip, it might be natural for that particular um, uh, variety to go like that. It might be, has she got it out in the weather and it's getting weathered and toughened up and... and, and uh, that might be that might be the cause. Is it ruining the look of the thing? I'd love to see. Okay, and uh, help us out with some photographic evidence. And also, Shirley, I sent you a little picture uh, this morning. I'm just popping another one through because our texter has sent uh, a second picture, uh, which is great because, as you always say, the photos are great to help us uh, identify. Uh, it's Anne Marie this time, and Anne Marie says, "Good morning, Edward. Hope you are well on this blustery day. I'm not too bad, Anne Marie." Uh, she also says, "Can you?" Please ask Shirley, does she know what this plant is? I found it growing in a pot, but it seems to come back year after year and gets bigger every year. And that's from Anne-Marie. It's a little shrub of some sort. Um, so it's, it's, going, it's coming back every year because it's a, it's a shrub. It's going to keep growing into a, a bigger plant. And I can see the little trough that she's got it in. is very like, small. Yeah, it looks like window box portions mm. and what I would do is uh, when the growth finishes and when the leaves come up and, and we hit autumn, take it out, decant it out and put it into I would say put it into a, a, a decent sized 
uh, pot or if you've got space put it in the ground um what you'd be talking about would be something that's like 35 centimetres high, you know, that or, you know, a foot high sort mm. of pot and, and, you know, 10 inches to a foot wide. Give it a decent uh, pot. Put some crocks or stones in the bottom and then a soil-based compost because this is going to grow into a substantial shrub. If, 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 if it's only in there a little while, it's put on a decent amount of growth. I can't be 100% what it looks like. It looks a little like a grisolinia, but I don't think it is. It's a sort of a nondescript looking leaf. Grow it on. You might find it, you, you get flowers, and the minute you see flowers, that'll help us identify it uh, more readily. It, 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 there's a hundred things it could be with that sort of, as I say, it's quite a nondescript. It is, it leaf. is. But it's in good nick, Shirley, to look at it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's why it's, it's worth growing on and seeing what you've got. Once you, once you know what it is, then. You can, you'll, you'll be able to find out, you know, what's its eventual size and shape and you'll be able to discover, is that a size and shape that you can accommodate in your garden? If not, if you've only got a little garden and it looks like it's going to eventually turn into a, a, a large tree, uh, you're going to give it to a friend who's got the space that can accommodate it. But in the meantime, grow it on and you'll just you'll have the interest. Now, another texter, nice another texter is also in a bit of distress, uh, sent a picture which looks to be up against... Um, uh, a chair or maybe a little trellis and it says Edward will you ask Shirley is my clematis uh, or my clematis whatever you want to say uh, dead that doesn't look like a clematis now I was going to say that but I said Shirley will say of course it's a clematis but I didn't think it looked like one either it's a miserable poor plant bless it It's, it's got everything wrong with it uh, some of the leaves look like they're variegated. And if you look at the variegated leaves, it looks like a variegated uh, privet, but it's not. And I can see some of the other leaves are scorched. It could be wind scorch or it could be that uh, it's oh, it's too much water. It's, it doesn't, it's not a clematis, but it's not a happy plant one way or the other. So I'm going to ask several things. I'm going to ask one uh, I can't see into the pot. I can't see um, whether or not the soil is waterlogged. Mm. I can't see whether or not the soil is bone dry. I can't see how depleted of nutrients the soil is. If it's been in that pot for God knows how long, it could be just that. Looking at the, the very edge of that I can see, it looks like a small one. And it could be the fact that the plant has used up everything that there is in that bit of soil and it's, 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 it's failing. So I would take it out you might find that the roots are tightly wound knotted into a serious thick ball down there if they are take a sharp knife put the plant on its side so you've got the root ball lying sideways parallel to the ground and slice off sort of the 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 the, the bottom inch and a half two centimeters of tightly wound roots I'm just assuming that they're going to be like that. And then with the rest of them, tease them out and take them, take them so that they're no longer the same tight shape as the pot. And then plant it into either a bigger container or into the ground with a load of compost and manure around it and give it a year of good living and see if it comes back. But at the moment, the poor thing, it's not happy where it is. It needs to be, if, if it's not going to keel over completely and, 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 and die, you want to take it out and give it a, give it a chance. But as I say, it's, it, it, it's not a clematis. Maybe it, the label from the clematis might have come off another plant and landed sitting on its pot or something. 
Another texture is concerned about their magnolia tree. It's now huge and um, want to know, can I cut it back? I think from memory, you, you say you need to be judicious uh, and um, uh, uh, and equal with, with, with your cutting back of a magnolia, Shirley. Yeah. So, I, again, there are scores of different magnolias. I'd love to, if they know what the variety is, um, text us the, the variety. I'll come back to them on that. But... I'd also love to see a picture of it and what the situation is. Are they talking, like, how much do they feel they need to bring it back? You can bring it back, but you want to do it carefully because a lot of the magnolias, as well as having the beautiful flowers and looking absolutely gorgeous uh, through the growing season, they have a really lovely, um, very interesting bare shape. The, 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 the structure of the branches, the way they hold themselves can be really lovely. Even as you reduce it down, you want to try and keep that beautiful, beautiful, sort of, it's very often a sort of a goblet shape or an umbrella shape, and you don't want to lose that. So even as you take it back, you want to try and keep that, that, that general shape. I'd love to see a picture of it. As I say, standing right back, and also if they have the variety, that would be uh, that should be good to know. And Shirley, is it it such that uh, we should do that when it's in full bloom and full flower or should we do it when it has become uh, denuded and we can see the kind of the skeletal shape of it? Yeah, you wouldn't do anything when it's in full flower because you want to enjoy those flowers and let it do its thing. When it's finished, then you could go at it. But just remember, this is a... they're, They're a majestic tree. They're absolutely wonderful. They will live for a very, very long, long time. And so whatever you want to do with it, you want to make sure that it continues to look good. Don't just let anybody go in with the chainsaw and turn it into a a mushroom. You know that Mm, style mm. of pruning that you see all around the country where everything gets cut into the same mushroom shape, (laughs) which suits some things, but it certainly doesn't suit something as, as... as grand, will I say, as a magnolia. And you're so lucky that you've got one that's grown to to full size. Most people would give their eye teeth for that. So maybe, even if it's after the programme, I'd love to see a picture of it and see far back enough so that you can actually see, right, how big is it? And where is it encroaching and how is it encroaching? And the harsh reality of it all, Shirley, is these magnolias will live long after us all. Yeah, so you want to leave something that's beautiful behind you. For sure. Shirley, there we must leave it. We'll let you back to uh, a bit of sweeping and picking up of your pots and uh, I'll (laughs) chat with you very soon. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to everybody. Now, that's our resident gardening expert uh, full of um, information as always for us, Shirley Lanigan, and we'll be chatting again uh, to Shirley very, very soon. Now, uh, let's take, uh, will we take a little break? Let's take a break. This today's show with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Lovely to chat with you all. A couple of texts in here. One says, love is in the air, of course, it appears this morning, uh, because our first text says, good morning, Edward. Could you please wish Grania and Tello love and happiness today on their wedding day? And happy to do that and wish them all the very best uh, with that. Uh, Our other texter says, um, good morning, Edward. Can you please play a special request 
for our beautiful Emer Nivrainon and Alan O'Reilly who got engaged and wish them best of luck and that comes in from Ollie and Angela Dowling uh, so lovely to uh, hear that text and thank you uh, to them for that as well and of course we send our own good wishes to Emer and Alan who did get uh, engaged during the week for sure um, I was telling you that later on we're going to be chatting with Miriam Donoghue and of course Miriam Donoghue is um, an expert with regard to communications and former journalist and she's going to be joining us to kind of help us flesh out the um, debacle with regard to Ryan Tuberty. Um but her texture says uh, I do feel that Ryan Tuberty is being used as a scapegoat this whole debacle surely the auditor at RTE is guilty of not having his finger on the pulse Edward whatever the situation is for God's sake Ryan is a human being with feelings give him a break and deal with more serious issues in the country and that's from Anne and thanks Anne um, for that as well Another texter asks, uh, would be interesting to know how many uh, in Kilkenny got the free money? And our texter has it in inverted commas and capital letters uh, from Bank of Ireland. Um, Can be sure they're all on CCTV cameras. Anyone prepared to come on air and declare how much they got um, free of charge? How interesting. Uh, How interesting as well uh, that that texter. So is anyone prepared to come on and tell us about the free money. Um, tell us that they were um, interested in the free money. Tell us that they got that free money. Um, tell us uh, how much they got and how they felt um, justified in so doing. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So send us a call on 083 306 9696. It is indeed our dinnersready.ie contact line here on KCLR. Now let's head over to uh, the telephone line and on it I'm joined by Kelly Medinus Enos uh, who is an influencer and gentle parent uh, to tell us all about um, what you may or may not have heard tell of before but there was an article uh, on last week's Irish Independent about gentle parenting, what it is and more importantly how you do it and Kelly who herself is an advocate is going to guide us through it. Kelly good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. How are we? I'm very good and thanks so much for taking our call. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Now, um, firstly, I suppose we must just kind of give a bit of context. People may uh, be well familiar with your uh, account. You're uh, an influencer and TikToker and founder of the Byron and Medina um, range, which is a clothing and apparel uh, range for uh, babies and children. Hello, Kelly. Hello. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so you're sorry, you're doing that. There a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No. No bother at all. That's uh, the, across the, across the English Channel. Tell me about then <laughs> gentle parenting. Um, what do you describe yeah. gentle parenting as? What would you define it as? Yeah. So there's effectively there's four different types of parenting style, and you may not think that you fall into one. You may that you dabble in a few, but these are sort of the main four. So there is authoritarian style of parenting. Now, this is high levels of accountability and low levels of um, acceptance. So it's what a lot of us were brought up with, um, sort of high levels of punishment and discipline. Um, Perhaps it looks like time out. It might even look like smacking. It might look like 
shouting, I'm sort of, I'm big, you're small, I'm the parent and you will listen to me. That's sort of authoritarian style of parenting. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, there is another style that is called permissive parenting. Now, this is low levels of accountability, but high levels of acceptance. So a permissive parent may sort of allow their child to run the mill if you like um sort of let them get away with a lot of things don't really have too much discipline and are quite um keen on being their child's best friend that's that's permissive parenting and i feel like a lot of people think that that's gentle parenting but it's not um and then there is authoritative parenting which sort of falls in between the two to be fair we have high levels of accountability but also high levels of acceptance and it's all about seeing the child's behavior as communication and allowing the child a space to learn how to regulate their emotions so instead of sort of harsh punishment in a way of disciplining and teaching your child we actually teach them how to do better next time but also give them space to feel all their emotions and um you know sort of teach them about the different emotions that they feel and that it's okay to feel all these different things but what's important is a how we regulate them and b how we express them and in terms of the, the the parenting and i suppose the difference you mentioned that many people would be familiar with the authoritarian did that come where does mm-hmm. that come from does that come from a kind of a an economy of time you know i and i really get and and, and understand that the whole teaching and and training mm-hmm. and um again I, I, the the article in the independent tells us about uh, a toddler biting his mother who then calmly explains mm-hmm. that it hurts and if he wants to bite and ask for something else to bite but i presume that mm-hmm. process and this is not being dismissive of it i presume that process kelly mm-hmm. takes a bit more time um yes would that be fair uh, to say absolutely so when i when i came across gentle parenting i didn't always do it so my son was only about 18 months old and i went onto um the platform tiktok because you know that's where i sort of post the majority of my videos and uh i asked my community you know what do i do when my child is hitting me in the face because i tell him no when i give him a firm no or i put him down and nothing seems to be working and it was at that moment that somebody introduced me to gentle parenting now it wasn't until that moment where i delved into it really researched it and noticed how there is such a perception on social media that it's just change a couple of words and your child and you will start to skip through meadows and everything will be okay <laughs> just have not happened yeah, it's not the case at all. It, it, it's it's really it can, it can be really triggering. It doesn't matter how you choose to parent. It can be really triggering. It is really difficult, and especially when you're going against something that you've been brought up with. There's there's even more pressure on you. So yeah, it's it's difficult. It's really difficult. Kelly, I'm not asking you to bring us into your home, but if you can, is there an example that you can share with us, just so that people can really, I suppose, see the um. The, the practical examples yeah. of, of, of how you mean. Yeah, so there's, I mean, I get asked this question quite a lot, so it's, it's quite tricky to do an example, really. Of but course, and I appreciate that. 
Yeah, something that something that does work really well as an example. If you were wanting to look into any form of gentle parenting, the biggest recommendation from me is to look at the way that you speak to your child. So if you're finding that no, get down, stop it, you're repeating that again and again and again, and it's not working, it goes over children's heads, then positive language is something really, really important and really effective with children, okay? So as an example, let's say your child is climbing up on something. Instead of no, get down, try and tell them what you want them to do. So feet on the floor, please. And things like saying to them, do you feel safe up there? And if a child is up on a box, it's incredible watching them when you say to them, do you feel safe up there? And they'll sometimes turn around very strong willed and go, yes. And you'll say, OK, then how are you going to get down? And it's at that moment where you can see almost their brain going, how am I going to get down? Mm. And you can say to them, either you can get yourself down or mummy can help you. Which one are we going to do? Um, and, and again, if they're quite strong willed, which toddlers often are and yes, so are preschoolers sure. I will get down myself you know and if they choose not to then okay mummy's gonna have to help you because that's not safe to be up there if you want to climb we can go outside and we can go to the park and we can go and climb there but I can't have you climbing on that box because it's not safe mm. so that's that's sort of an example and I found that honestly just changing that no into what I'd like him to do made a huge difference um, to to how he sort of received it and, and what he did with that information. Uh, the, the, the public displays, how do we deal with them? You know, I'm sure uh, there's many a mother, many a father, many a guardian would love to kind of solve that conundrum of when there's a kind of a, 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 a big outburst in aisle three of the supermarket. Yeah. Oh, it's it's extremely triggering. And I think what you have to think about or something that I definitely sort of refer back to when I think about George having like a tantrum or kicking off, you know, when out and about is, am I really embarrassed about my son's behavior? Or is it this a reflection on me? Am I worried about how people are perceiving me right now? What's more important to make sure that my child's regulated, feels safe, and can calm down with me helping him or me getting him quickly over this horrible tantrum that he's feeling out and about because I'm embarrassed about people looking at me that don't matter. Um, But again, if you do continue with gentle parenting, if you start off, what you'll find is that actually tantrums and sort of um, blow-ups, if you like, will actually subside quite a lot. And if they do um, happen, they'll be able to regulate themselves a lot quicker. Um, So something that, again, that I find with George that's really helpful is just reiterating to him what we're going to be doing through the day. That, again, is an incredible tool. So if you're just going to the local shop, so what we need to do, we need to get ourselves dressed and ready. Then we're going to go in the car and we're going to go to the shop. When we finish at the shop, we'll get back in the car and come home. Just a child knowing step by step what they're going to do is a big um, a big thing for them and, and they like to know what's happening next and I do find that that really helps with George as well. For sure. Can I ask you a question, Kelly? Um, I, I must preface, preface by saying I don't have children myself but I know the last couple of weeks during the summer I've been involved a couple of days a week uh, minding my nephews and have had great fun and joy 
in doing so and you can be the, the spoiler if you like but what I am conscious of is I suppose differences in opinion so if I can and I'm not sure asking your situation with George but if I can bring Granny into the scene if I can bring a, a crash or a childminder into that equation how do you kind of mm-hmm. ensure that there's a kind of a consistency of messaging because um, you know from what I can see in our own home and everyone else's home from here to America mm-hmm. Granny always has a different approach yes yeah absolutely and this is this is something that I see a lot of um, even on social media is you'll have people come onto my videos and say well that's absolutely ridiculous just to slap on the hand and that you know they'd shut up immediately and all that sort of thing and I think what happens is with Granny <laughs> let's just say that it's Granny um, with Granny what happens is she almost gets quite defensive because um, a different generation are trying something new but it's not Granny's fault you know she mm. didn't have the internet she didn't have social media she didn't even know about gentle parenting it maybe wasn't even a thing when she was you know parenting her own children so they're not to blame and it's not about pointing things and saying you did right and we're doing wrong it's not about that it's about coming together and just uh, the older generation definitely respecting that the younger generation do have access to new information do have access to new statistics and working together to change this this cycle if you will and and make it better for everybody um it is difficult and it is a difficult conversation to have especially if somebody's quite defiant i know with my parents i was brought up with an authoritarian style and when i mentioned gentle parenting there was a sense of defensiveness with them but then actually after some time and after explanation and then even watching me speak to george and how i choose to discipline him they're fully on board with it. And I think seeing is believing with it as well. Um, But if you're really desperately wanting to get on with it and you think it's going to work great for you and your family, power through and just let the other people sort of fall into place. And and hopefully they will respect that. How interesting. It's a really interesting phenomenon and um, one that I'm sure people might like to research more after the show. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much for chatting with us this morning. And I know you're expecting your... Uh, second baby before uh, I let you go okay. when is when is your second baby due I am yes um so first week of November so yeah we've got a, a little while to go yet but um yeah it's all going really really well and I can't wait to add another crazy baby to <laughs> crazy life so yeah absolutely well continued good wishes to you as you uh enjoy that uh, enjoy that pregnancy and uh, it's a special time for sure nice to talk to you Kelly and good morning thank you so much for having me thank you Uh, Kelly Medina Enos there uh, telling us all about gentle parenting let's take a break now good morning you're very welcome back um lots still to come in this um this hour of the show and indeed next hour of the show uh, i was telling you there that after 11 o'clock we're going to be joined by miriam donahue former journalist and communications consultant with md media and she's going to walk us through i suppose the ryan tuberty kevin backhurst rte saga and the kind of the the most recent updates with regard to that the talks have now uh, ceased and uh, Tuberty's position on RTE Radio 1 has been um, declared uh, null and void and his, uh, his um, 
successor will be appointed in the coming weeks. Lots of commentary around that. We're thinking of maybe any litigious uh, notions around that as well. So Miriam will help us to walk through those a little bit later on. You know we're a big grow for all things music on this show. So very shortly after this break, we're going to chat with Jerry Kavna about a very special concert that's coming up very soon in Inadara in Goresbridge. Fun on show. The Saturday Show with Edward Hinn. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com. Now, tough all, Sherash Edward Hayden here with you on the Saturday Show. Lots of texts coming in uh, with regard to gentle parenting. There's a, a few wooden spoons and a few little slaps on the bottom uh, coming in on the text there. But we'll come to those uh, in a few minutes and we'll see what you're thinking uh, about those. But before all of that, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Jerry Kavanagh, who's on the organising committee for the event that's taking place in Unadara in Goresbridge and that is a very special concert headlined by Maeve Nivaglik. Uh Jerry, good morning to you. Good morning Edward. Thank uh, you for having me. Pleasure to have you on the show Jerry, and thanks to come in. Uh, all roads lead to Unadara. This day fortnight you'll be uh, packing up the chairs and uh, sweeping the floor after what hopefully will be a very successful event on Friday the 1st of September. It's on Friday the 1st, uh, Edward, and we have heading heading for us, heading up this time is Maeve Nibiogli, uh, Maeve Begley, a daughter of the late, great Seamus. Who many will know from that kind of very uh, protagonistic career in the, in the Irish music scene. Would you believe it, Edward? He was the very first concert we put together. Go away. Back in 2009. And here's prob- something you probably don't remember. Your late dad set, sat next to me. I'd have no doubt because he was a big. When I was chatting with you during the week, yeah. I knew he was a big Seamus Begley uh, fan. Well, he was there and he sat beside me. Well, how fabulous! Yeah, yeah I how remember f- it very, very well. How fabulous! And um, two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine was the first one. And imagine he died in two thousand and ten. No, he died. My only, father. Oh, your father. My I know father. That. Yeah, I, yeah. I know your dad God. died the next yeah, year. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Seamus. Died last year, yeah. In January, gone, yeah. And the plan was to bring himself and Maeve together to Goresbridge, and uh, that wasn't to be. And ever since two thousand and nine, I've I've been very friendly with Seamus and got to know the family and got to know Maeve. So she said that look, uh, I gave her a couple of months to process her dad's death, and uh, she agreed then that she would come and do the concert in Goresbridge. And, and Jerry, help me out now, because I'm just asking this live when I see it in front of me. Uh, they're from uh, Ballinabuck. Ball- Where, where's that? That is just west, a little area west of Dingle in oh, Kerry. Oh, how lovely. And it is a, a great stronghold for Irish music. Well, it is a great, great stronghold, and the Begleys have a huge part in that, mm. in that particular area. And, uh, of course, they, they really specialise in, in the wonderful music of West Kerry, which, of course, is, 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 would be very much uh, based on the music of, say, slides and polkas. Mm. Uh, and uh, reels wouldn't get the same hearing in West Kerry as they'd get, for instance, in Clare. Mm. And it's just amazing 
with the, with the history of Irish music, the way the different types of music evolve in different areas. For sure. Jerry, Maeve herself has evolved. I've been looking at her uh, online during the week uh, in anticipation of our, um, our of our conversation. But she has kind of uh, transitioned, if you like, from that kind of, you know, purely uh, Puritan music to being a kind of a, a singer and composer in her own right uh, and a very successful one. Absolutely. And her music, obviously, look, there's an old saying, Edward, and we all know it, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. For sure. And she plays in a very, very similar style to her dad. And uh, she's the youngest... And in that a, can't be too bad. That can't be too bad. She's the youngest in a family of four, the only girl. She was born on her father's 40th birthday, so they shared, she, she, they shared the same birthday, and she was the absolute apple of his eye. And, of course, they grew up on a farm, and she spent a lot of time on the tractor with him as a child and, and uh, played a lot, uh, grew up listening to him playing music and learning from him. And, 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 and as she got older, uh, she taught him some of the new tunes. So it was it was a, a very musical household to grow up in. Absolutely. Wouldn't yeah. you love to be invited back there after a, a few jorums? It would be a great house to go to. Uh, Jerry, tell us, uh, Maeve, of course, she isn't coming in isolation. She's been joined by uh, a number of uh, uh, stars on the night as well. Maeve is being joined by Neve Varian Barry, who is an absolute wonderful, wonderful talent. Neve has, uh, she's trained in viola and fiddle and has uh, um, a Masters in Music Performance from the Royal Irish Academy. And she has, she has toured North America and was the lead singer with the supergroup Solace. Okay. Um, our own Mick McCauley in, in Kilkenny played with them for years. Uh, and she's played with Martin Hayes, Marjean O'Connor, with orchestral performances. And she's a wonderful writer, uh, um, composer, uh, and a, a great musician and a singer. So we're not dealing with Muck? We're, we're not dealing with we're, we're, uh, Either Maeve or Neve could give a, a concert in their own right. I have no doubt. And, of course, the great Donna Hennessy, who has a recording studio. He's originally from Dublin. He has a recording studio in Dingle, and um, Donna is an exceptional guitarist who would have played with Seamus quite a lot at the first concert in Goresbridge Donald played with Seamus so he played with all the greats as well and could I just add because sometimes they, the support acts tend to get overlooked Edward, for sure we have local man John Tully who's living out the road in Clara um, originally from Bagnellstown he still has his business in Bagnellstown and John is a super singer songwriter uh, he has his degree in music and uh, as to quote John himself John is top of the bus top of the bus and he, he, uh, John will perform for about a half an hour as a support act and, and we're lucky to have John absolutely Jerry. the concert this concert series if you like has been going on in Anadara as you said since back uh, in 2009 and many greats have played there uh, and again well supported by the by the region but for people listening this morning who haven't been to Anadara before um, again there's such an intimacy about the space the physical space that I'd imagine it's very conducive to concerts of this uh, of this hue you you know the venue yourself, I do well, Edward, and it's a lovely it's 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 a brand new building, opened in uh, two thousand and eight uh, by Brian Cody. Uh, he he launched it no for better us. Better man, you know, better man. And the stage and the the venue is set up in such a way 
that the furthest you're back from the stage at any point is about seven or eight chairs. Yeah. So there is no bad seat in there. You know, uh, it, 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 it holds little over 200, 230 people. Mm. And uh, it's just a lovely venue. It's not like your old traditional hall. Yes. Like say that once you went beyond back from about 10 rows. Uh, Could be Edward Hayden or playing the fiddle. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know. I understand. It's yeah, just no, it the, is. Way, the way we look at I was part of the design team with uh, Mary Meany, a very, a, a very good mutual friend of ours. Mm, Mary will do lighting sure. on the night. And uh, we had a great committee out there at the time with with uh, with uh, Father Malone at the time, and uh, we got it together. And I think we came up with the best plan for the site that was very generously actually donated by the Brigidine Sisters. Absolutely, yeah. and acoustically, of course, it's very advantaged as well. So yeah. again, that 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 intimacy and the kind of the the fab acoustics will make for a very special feast of music on the night. Oh, absolutely, and like we bring in. Uh, a sound engineer, Steve Curry from Carlo, who's an exceptional sound engineer. He does all the concerts for the, the big concerts for the Kilfenora Kelly Band. So he's he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. It isn't you his know. first it isn't his first run out. Absolutely. Jerry, where can people get tickets or where can they um get in touch maybe to uh decide to go? Because many listening this morning, I mean people are mad for road yeah. and, and mad to get out and about. Yeah, so and, and this is our first one um Edward since, since 2019. the pandemic. Yeah. Obviously we know what happened in twenty twenty oh. and again in twenty twenty one. And we held off last year because we still felt that people were fairly cautious mm, mm. about going into And I spaces. think there was a wisdom in doing that. Yeah, so this is our first one. Uh, we back have, big. Yeah, we're back. And uh, you can get tickets uh, from myself. Can I give my phone number? If you're happy to do so, Jerry. 86 And I'll repeat, 86 3152 if anyone wants to contact me and they're also available on eventbrite.ie Lovely well listen you couldn't ask for more than that Uh, and a great a great night guaranteed there starting at 8.30 and a great night of music and very special to be there for sure As you said it's on next Friday week the 1st at 8.30 Lovely well Jerry thanks so much Could I just say Edward a huge thanks to yourself. Oh, you're very and to welcome. The radio and a huge thanks to Martin Bridgman in here, who is always a great supporter. Absolutely, he's a he's a mighty man for for the music and for giving people uh, a run out. And we're delighted to do so because it's great to let people know all that's going on. And well done and to yourself and the committee. And the best of luck to yourself in your new role as well with the drama. Oh, of thanks a million. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as Kingpin. I say, <laughs> as I say, as I often say, Edward, to many of our mutual friends. Where does that man get his energy? Oh, well, listen, there you go. Yeah. When you come back with the answer, let me know. Listen. Jerry, thanks so much. Jerry Kavanagh there from Anadara in Gores Bridge. Maeve Bailick and uh, many more performing on the 1st of September um, in Anadara as well at 8.30. Tickets on Eventbrite are from Jerry. And if you want to give us a shout here, we'll pass on Jerry's number. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to hand you over then at 11 o'clock to Angela Joyce Stewart with Nuacht on Lay. And I will be a kind to reach Therese on Nuacht von Anshaw. The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. KCLR. With thanks to Lyrath Estate, Kilkenny's luxury hotel. Perfect for spoiling yourself. More details on lyrath.com.
Now, isn't she a sweetheart? That's Angela Joyce Stewart back again at 12 o'clock with Newt on Lay. A couple of texts there that I want to just get to before we uh, move onwards. Uh, a shocking story today in the papers. A nurse in England who murdered so many newborn babies. Shocking accountability by management and that hospital, says our texter. Another says, hi, my son is running in the South Leinsters today. Wish him good luck and I'm very happy to do so. Um, they didn't give a name, but happy to send good wishes. Also, we were talking a little bit earlier on uh, about gentle parenting. Let me just bring you uh, a flavour of the text coming. Uh, My mother had 10 children and an odd slap on the arse usually solved the problem, says uh, one texter. We had no bother rearing our children and they had manners. Nowadays, you can't say a word wrong to kids. It's the kids telling the parents what they want. And that's from a granny who says it's all gone wrong. Well, there you have it, granny. Um, another texter sending us some pictures there, uh, giving us a sense of uh, a look at uh, the damage from Storm Betty and uh, says happy birthday to John Langton yesterday. And that comes in from Jim Lyons. Uh, so thank you for the text as well. Bridget was also on sending good wishes to us all. And Kay was on with some wise advice. And she said, Edward, I think you'd like this. Enjoy your day. And it says, today, there are only two days in the year that nothing can be done. One is called yesterday and the other is called tomorrow. So today is the right day to love, to believe, to do and mostly to live. And that's the world's the words of Dalai Lama uh, sent in to us this morning by Kay. Now, I'm not even sure if Dalai Lama could uh, throw a little bit of water on the fire in RTE at the minute because the saga continues. Uh, a little uh, few weeks ago, we spoke to Miriam Donoghue journalist and communications consultant uh, with MD Media who really helped us to get to grips with it. So we've invited Miriam on again uh, this morning. Miriam, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Edward. Uh, Miriam... Fires are burning in RTE, all right? Fires are burning for sure. Fires are burning for sure. Miriam, I suppose I was actually just saying to somebody uh, at the earlier part of the week that the fire had kind of gone out and we were really gone back into as if it never happened because uh, uh, the politicians and the public accounts and the media committee had all gone into summer recess and it was as if that it was immediately purged with, with that. But the publication of the Grant Thornton report during the week, which, let it be said, gave a scathing review of uh, RTE management and their activities. That has kind of reignited it. And the results, I suppose, were ones that we weren't expecting. And it it appears that many in RTE, uh, certainly um, the staff, weren't expecting either. Give us your flavour of what has happened. Yeah, Ed, we were hearing as well. I was hearing through the media grapevine that things were looking good for Ryan's return and that the negotiations were being very positive. And that sort of was backed up with the Grant Horton report on Wednesday, which more or less exonerated Ryan from any issues in relation to the um, misreporting of his salary. But um, I think what happened was, and I think it comes down to this, Ryan issued a statement last Wednesday in which he questioned again some of the figures and was defending his role in the entire issue. And that completely um, knocked all of the negotiations off the table. Um, I think Kevin Backhurst um, acted very, very quickly. He felt that 
what Ryan had said in the statement had stoked things up. Um, that it wasn't good in terms of, um, you know, uh, building confidence between Ryan and RTE again. And I certainly got the feeling that maybe, in a sense, Kevin Backhurst might have been relieved to have had an excuse to have sort of put a, a whole stall to it. Because even though he was prepared to bring Ryan back on a much lower salary of €170,000, um, what he was hearing was that, from staff internally, was that people didn't want him back. And I think it was going to have probably caused a lot of tensions going forward at a time when Kevin Backers was trying to rebuild confidence in RTE. But it comes down to Ryan was very, very badly advised. He should not have issued that statement. He should have held tight, no matter how he felt. He was on the cusp of, of his comeback on a much lower salary. He was going to be happy to be back on air. RTE was going to be happy to have their lead presenter back on a much lower salary. They were going to save money. And we were going to go ahead and look forward. So it was very bad tactically from Ryan. And he's been badly advised throughout, Ed, because from the very first statement he issued when the story broke initially, it was a statement that didn't, you know, reflect any humility or a statement in which he wasn't prepared to take any blame at all for his role in this. Absolutely. And I suppose that's one of the things that, and I think Kevin Backer said it the other night, in, in, and I'm paraphrasing now but he basically said that he wasn't demonstrating contrition and they wanted him to demonstrate a, a portion of contrition and uh, accept a portion of, of the responsibility. Many saying that he wasn't without blame but what do you think was the big kind of uh, the big blow up feature in his statement that kind of caused such, uh, such shock and such outrage amongst um, the, the DG? Yeah it's, it's very complicated but there were the, the, the Grant Thornton report was dealing with two sets of figures, salaries from, I think, uh, 17 to 20 and then 20 and 21. And what Ryan was saying was that his position all along on the 2021 salary was backed up by the Grant Thornton report. Mm. Um, and that is something, uh, and this was down to the issue of the 75,000 he was getting for appearances to Renault. And RTE were disputing this because as far as they were concerned, you know, the 75,000 from Renault was part of the wider package. It's quite complicated. But I think the fact that Ryan appeared in the statement, in one line in the statement, to be sort of uh, questioning the report and to be defending himself again for one aspect of his salary, that really got um, things boiling again in RTE. And Kevin Backhurst did cast out and he did um, seek counsel within RTE. But I think it comes back, Ed, if you look at it now. Personally, I feel very sorry for Ryan. Um. I don't know him well, but I know him. I know him to be a very kind person. I know him to be uh, very collegiate, and he's an excellent broadcaster. But I think it comes down, it's a big lesson for all of us, that we're all dispensable. And if I was talking to you, uh, Ed, three months ago, and if I said Ryan Tuberty would be banned from the RTE airwaves, and he would be gone from... The late late show. I, you would have laughed at me, and I would I would have said this is not possible. And I think the fact that RTE Radio One hasn't collapsed in the last two months, that the JNLR figures showed actually, I know they didn't cover the entire pyramid period for um, Ryan's absence, but the listenership figures showed that they were holding really steady in his absence for the first uh, part of his absence. 
So I think it's a lesson for us all that life goes on beyond us, no matter how successful or how well-known or how valuable we think we are. For sure. And, uh, uh, yeah. Can I ask two things, Miriam? Did there need, and I'll conflate the two questions together um, for, for, for the purpose of the answer, uh, did there need, in your opinion, to be this sort of, uh, uh, if you like, a, a public or a metaphorical crucifixion that that Ryan Tuberty has now uh, has now undergone, uh, first and foremostly, to kind of to help restore the trust uh, and restore the faith, probably of the staff, those on the inside more so than those on the outside, and then uh, in running in parallel with that, you know, uh, and I think Kieran Cuddy he said it on News Talk the other day. He said many people. Uh, um, you know, in the senior management were able to take redundancy packages and I think he said that they ran like rats from a sinking ship without uh, without uh, sanction, I suppose. Um, management that were involved, intrinsically involved in these decisions, you know, that should also be demonstrating contrition are not kind of undergoing any sort of sanction. Yeah. Look, I think, Ed, I've, this point has been made, but I think we forget and I do think... Uh, you know, there's been a scourge against Ryan Tuberty, and I feel very, very sorry for him. But let's not forget, Dee Forbes is gone from yeah. the old guard, and she was sort of asked to retire, even though she was at her retirement age, and she's gone in disgrace. Um, you had the head of legal, who is also gone. The head of commercial um, is gone. I, 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 I don't think Ryan is the only person to have suffered here. If we look back, um, a lot of the senior people ha- are gone um, from RTE, as a result of this story. So it hasn't all fallen on Ryan. Mm. Um, I think because it's, um, it's a semi-state agency, it's a, state, it's a national broadcaster, millions and millions of taxpayers' money and our licence fee money is pumped into RTE every year. So I do think it was right and proper that, you know, the Dáil committees did hold hearings to uh, try to get some answers. And indeed, not all the answers were given, but they got a lot of answers. And the story started to unravel because of the committees, even though I think some of the committee members were a bit strident. So I think we did have to go through that process. RT is not a private uh, broadcaster. Um, and uh, and other people have suffered and other reputations have suffered. Um, so I don't think we should forget that, Ryan. I don't think Ryan, uh, uh, Ed, Ryan isn't the only one to suffer here. Yeah. And Miriam, with regard then, uh, again, of course, that's all based on fact and opinion. Uh, now I'm going to be asking you to take out your crystal ball for the next few questions. Um <laughs> I presume, and I can but presume, that there is going to be a legal case now, which is going to be the next step of this process. I, I presume Mr. Tuberty is not going to go uh, without a fight, uh, or certainly without some sort of recompense for the distress and for his contract. Because remember the last time we spoke, there was a kind of a, an ambiguity about whether or not his contract had ended. It hadn't ended, but it had been broken, if you like, but... Um, because of his um, his his giving up of the late late show, I presume legal is next, Miriam. Yeah, look, I think um, I would be amazed if there's not a legal action. I think Ryan is probably balancing things today or over the weekend. Um, you know, the chances of him getting back down the road to RT and would they be completely obliterated if he took legal action against RT? Given he has given service from a very very young age, over thirty years to RTE initially as a staffer and then as a contractor. And he's given brilliant service, Ed. Like, he has worked very hard. He held down a daily radio show and a TV programme every week for 14 years. 
um, put huge energy into it into the Late Late Show. And I think it actually would be extremely unfair if Ryan was to leave without some sort of severance package. When you look at the big severance packages, others at senior level in RT have gotten, and that there's inquiries going on into those packages as well, including uh, the previous um, head of legal, I think. So uh, I would be amazed. I do think that he will be seeking some sort of severance. He may question the contract situation. His contract ran until 2025, and that covered both the Late Late Show and RTE. RTE's position is when he resigned from the Late Late Show, the contract automatically fell down and had to be um, redone. Uh, I think Ryan's team might have a different view of that, and that's going to be a major point in any legal action. So I think uh, RTE, if they think you're getting out of this without having to pay him anything, um, any compensation, I think they're probably wrong. And I think uh, Ryan would be probably well advised to take uh, to take legal action. Absolutely. Now, Miriam, the next question, and again, go closer to your crystal ball <laughs> for this one. And I'm sure you, 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 whatever question you thought might be coming at you, I'm sure you knew this one would be coming. Uh, Oliver, Brendan, or a another. You know, if it was me, if it was my call, I would um, offer the job to Edward Hayden. He is a national <laughs> broadcaster. He is a great guy. He and let me tell you, for 170 grand a year, Edward Hayden to take it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's for uh, sure. <laughs> Look, at, I've been listening closely over the last couple of months, Ed, and I think both Oliver and Brendan have done fantastic jobs covering. And Brendan has also covered Ray Darcy. And if I was a better and I am at times, I would put my money on one or the other. I don't see anybody else um, really in the race. I mean, you know, Anton Savage has been mentioned. Catherine Thomas has been mentioned. Marty Morrissey has been mentioned, but I think it'll be down to one of those two guys. They've both really done a really good job and they've, and they've had the listeners. But maybe they will surprise us. And I do think sometimes, um, all joking aside about you, Ed, but I do think that RT can be very... Uh, Johnny Brook centric, very Dublin centric, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's a huge amount of talent around the country. Um, you know, and it would be great to see uh, openings for new talent. But that's my call on it anyway. And my prediction about Ryan is this: I don't think we'll see or hear Ryan on um, News Talk or Today FM or KCLR. Um, I reckon he'll go off and he'll probably, um, you know, do a book, and I think he'll probably do a podcast series um, of some sort, maybe a podcast from America, maybe who knows. But um, I think you need time now to um, recharge and to absorb all of that's happened because I'm sure it's been absolutely devastating, not just for him, but his daughters and his, and his family as well. And I think it's really important. And I mean, I remember, Miriam, clearly you made the point the last day that, that you were on and, and we'll make it again today. You know, there are human beings involved in this. This is not a robot. So that we can only imagine the, the weight of the burden uh, on Ryan Tuberty and as you said on his, his wider family and all involved uh, at this time and I suppose sitting on seats of judgment is not is not wise or, or prudent for any of us uh, at this time as, as this human uh, tries to come to terms with what has happened and what Absolutely. has undergone uh, Miriam listen lovely to talk with you as always and um, no doubt and, we'll and, be Ed if you're looking for an agent to negotiate your fees for the show <laughs> I'm I, I'm available at ten percent. Well, Miriam, you'd be worth ev- <laughs> you'd be worth every penny. I'd be giving you a little a, a night out in Kilkenny as well as the ten percent. We'd paint Lovely. the town red. <laughs> 
I look forward to that, Ed. God bless you, Miriam, and nice to chat with you. Uh, Miriam Donoghue there joining us on the telephone line, former journalist and communications consultant uh, from ND Media, telling us all about that. Uh, Let's just have a little quick look at our text line, just to give us a bit of a sense of what people are thinking. Uh, so many in this debacle are guilty by association and have not been sanctioned, says a texter. Nobody taking into consideration the mental health of Ryan and the effect on his life and family. He did not murder anyone. Uh, and so says a texter. Uh, another uh, caller says, I hope Ryan takes them to the cleaners and gets rid of RTE once and for all. Uh, what people, uh, what really needs to be done is to stop people in top jobs resigning, resigning and not having to answer questions about what went on while in charge, uh, starting with the former director general. And I think many people would feel uh, that as well. Of course, other people saying that, of course, uh, that Ryan is, Ryan is not without blame and um, needed to demonstrate a bit more contrition um, for his involvement in the story as well, for no doubt um, it will certainly uh, be uh, the topic of conversation for much time uh, to come. Now, um, we have a lengthy text of coming in here. I'm just going to take an ad break and I'll have a read of it just to make sure that it is fit for public consumption. And I will be Arash Arish Ikyan Kupla No Maid Von Ansha. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Uh, nice to chat with you there um, as well. Uh, a couple of texts in just before we go over to uh, Richard Codd, president of the Tullo Show on the telephone line. Um, he will be with us very shortly. But just before that, um, John and Carlo has been on with regard to some topics that we've covered on this morning's show. He said, what planet is that gentle parenting advisor living on? It wouldn't and didn't work with eight children. And they've all turned out to be great members of their community and society. Uh, John John goes on to say, with regard to Ryan Tuberty, he was a great late, late show presenter, great interviewer and good crack, has been the best late, late show, uh, toy show presenter, raised millions and millions for hundreds of charities all over the country. And in RTE's case, he was the fall guy, guy for wrong financial goings on and its auditor and accountant who should be getting their P45 and not Ryan. He's a good guy and a great presenter. It's RTE's and now, sadly, our loss, says John in Carlo. So thanks, John, for sending in that as well. Uh, a text in here as well this morning. It says, good morning, Edward. Will you please wish our beautiful Carla Rose Quiva Deering the very best of luck in Tralee. She's such a great ambassador for Carlo and a beautiful young lady inside and out, just en route to Tralee to support her. Hope you're well. And that is from Cahirlock, uh, Andrea Dalton. Um, my mammy Eileen and daughter Sophie and all the Deerings and uh, the O'Rourke's in Carlo and Rathvilly contingent are en route to Tralee this morning. Morning uh, to say the rose. So thank you, uh, Cahirlock Andrea Dalton, for that. And good wishes indeed. And on our behalf here in Casey Law, we send our good wishes to the Carlo Rose Quiva Deering uh, heading to Tralee. It's been a mammoth few weeks for them all. God bless their tenacity, uh, is all I say. They must be exhausted. I've been following their. Um, they're going on, shall we say, online, and they must be exhausted. Now, um, Let's head over to the telephone line because on it we're joined by Richard Codd, who's the president of the Tullow Show. And of course, the Tullow Show, the Tullow Agricultural Show, is taking place tomorrow with showgrounds opening at 9am. And of course, the Tullow Show is highly revered and regarded in this region. Richard, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Edward. Uh, good to talk to you this morning. Absolutely, and good to talk to you as well. Uh, listen, the elephant in the room, Richard, of course, is Betty. What damage, if any, did she do to the showgrounds in Tullow? Uh, no, uh, it could have been worse. Uh, uh, not too much damage at all, as far as I'm aware. I haven't been on the showgrounds yet, Edward, but every, every, I think everything is okay. And today the, the forecast is good and tomorrow. So things should be absolutely fine for tomorrow. Which is great, uh, which is great to hear. Um, Richard, the whole culture and the tradition of these um, Tullo shows and all the different shows that take place right throughout the summer and early autumn is one that's going on for a long number of years. Um, how long has the Tullo show in operation at this stage? Well, the, 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 the present show, modern show, um, started in 1946. So this is about our 73rd show because we missed a few due to weather and what's not. But um, in 1946, the modern, there was a previous show uh, or previous shows earlier than that. Uh, but uh, certainly um, the, the, the present show is going a long time. Uh, an absolutely wonderful committee uh, under the chairmanship of Robert Kyo. So we're, we're, we're very fortunate that, 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 that we have such a, a, a young committee as well. So uh, it all goes well for the future. Uh, for sure and certain. Again, it's family fun day out and using that old adage, there's something for everybody. But of course, one of the, the deep-rooted elements of it are the competitions that take place with regard to uh, livestock and sheep and poultry. Uh, give us a sense of that element of the show, first and foremostly. Well, it's a great family day out, uh, Edward. Um, um, there are classes in cattle, sheep, horses, art, flowers, farm and garden, home and dairy, photography, crafts, um, ICA, and, and many others as well. So it, it's just simply a great, a great, a great um, uh, event. This year, the poultry are back, and uh, we're delighted with that, and so are the pet section. Um, and we have a dog show then that starts at 1pm on the day when entries can be taken on the field. So we, we hope uh, all those people out there with their dog, pet dogs will, will, will turn up and, and, and enter the competitions because there are several competitions and great prizes. Absolutely. And uh, no more than any of these events, the trade element of it is hugely important as well with, you know, businesses getting the opportunity to set out their stall, um, as it were, for, for the general public as well. You have over 250 trade stands this year, which is really impressive. Absolutely, Edward. Uh, b- biggest uh, number of trade stands ever. Um, we have the largest cop in a village uh, ever. Uh, ever. Uh, that's the craft business tent. And there are over 70 stands in that. So uh, an, an absolute, um, uh, in, a great increase in, in, in the stands. Also a great increase in the entries for the show this year. And we're delighted with that, that, there, that the entries are well up on last year. Uh, we have a quality food pavilion as well, of course, and we'll have demonstrations of that by Murphy's Craft Butchers and Maggie Roach and Cool Food School, One Yummy Yummy, and, and yourself, Edward. So we're looking forward to having you with us uh, tomorrow for uh, a demonstration in the quality food pavilion. Likewise. Sponsored by Wins. Likewise. And of course, there's, uh, people can bring their old dancing shoes with them as well. There's plenty of dancing and indeed jiving competitions. So those with the stiff elbows and the nimble feet will be, uh, will be uh, in great supply tomorrow. 
it's a, this is a growing section in the show, really, uh, um, Edward. Uh, our entertainment uh, 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 this year, there's a, a, a much bigger emphasis on it. We have Stacey Breen on at 1.30 and then David James at 4 p.m. These are names that are well known now in the in the country, uh, uh, the, the, the country music area, and they're well known. Stacey is an up-and-coming star and David James is well established. The, the driving competition is at 3 p.m. There are great prizes. Um, and we hope as many as possible will turn up for that. And uh, then at six o'clock, we have the Irish Cladder Band. Oh, lovely. So people can be in no hurry home tomorrow. Absolutely no hurry. There's a bar on the field, and we hope that they, everybody will enjoy the atmosphere. We, for the children, we have Joe the Magician from our teacher. Uh, that's from 1.30 p.m., and there are three shows. Uh, we have Little Miss Tullo uh, and Little Mr. Tullo. Mr. Tullo is at 2 p.m. and Miss Tullo is at 3 p.m. And we have a, a, a also a competition for the most appropriately dressed lady. And, of course, there are several amusements as well. I, I, I should say, Edward, that one of the, 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 the special events uh, at tomorrow's show will be the All-Ireland Race Horse to Riding Horse Championship final at 2 p.m. Uh, the Irish Shows Association have awarded the, the championship final to Tullow, so we're absolutely delighted about that, and that's a, that's a, a, an area that many people have interest now when uh, racehorses are finished uh, their career, that they move into uh, a, a, a different area, and so um, there, there, are, there are classes in many shows around Ireland, and um, uh, the, the, the final now will be in Tullow tomorrow at 2pm. So we're really looking forward to that. How fabulous. Before I let you go, Richard, tell us how people can uh, enter. Can they pay on the door or do you need to book uh, tickets in advance? No, they can, they can pay at the gate by card or by cash. Um, and the, the uh, adults, it's €15. Euro. Uh, children under 12 are free. And uh, also um, uh, students are 10 euro and OAPs are 10 euro. So, uh, you know, we welcome everybody. We hope as many people as possible will come. Uh, It was a fantastic day last year. We think it will be even a much bigger day tomorrow. And we're we're really looking forward to welcoming as many as possible uh, for this great family day out. Absolutely. And the weather is looking to be good for the day as well, which is a great bonus for sure. Yes. Yeah, and, and can I just say, Edward, too, a huge thank you to all our sponsors and a, a, a special thanks to the Stanley and O'Toole families for giving us their lovely grounds for facilitating us uh, because uh, it's, it's, it's a lovely setting and um, uh, we're, we're the envy of many shows. And, uh, and of course, it's the biggest uh, one day, single one day event, one of the biggest anyway, in Carlo every year. So we... We, we, we're really very proud of the, of the tradition we, we, we have inherited. And, 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 and as I said, uh, a, a huge thank you to the committee and the stewards. And justifiably so. Nice to talk, Richard, and good morning. Great to talk to you, Edward. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. For sure. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Uh, that's Richard. Thanks, Edward. That's Richard Codd, their president of the Tullo Show, joining us on the telephone line there as well. Uh, a great day out, actually. I love the agricultural shows and uh, looking forward to heading to Tullo tomorrow. And uh, I'll be doing a demonstration.
Oh, if you put a gun to my head, I don't know what time. I think it's half three. It's either three or half three. I think it's half three. But come along. Uh, I'd love to see you there tomorrow at Tullow of Lovely Recipes. Uh, also heading to Capamore today in Limerick for the Capamore Show, which is always lovely. The two events punctuate uh, my calendar every year and give me a sense that we're very soon back to school, of course. The back to school is looming. But anyway, there's more events. And of course, next week we'll be live out and about next Saturday morning. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I wore royal blue last year so I don't know what I'm going to tug out in this year um, but we were down at the Iverk show in Piltown next um, next Saturday morning here on KCLR now let's take a little break and we will be back after the break uh, with some music and chat KCLR now, good morning, says um, myself, says Edward. Good morning. Lovely to chat with you as well. Uh, nice to have you back. Um, a texter has texted us in here and says, Edward, last week you spoke about young lads running amok on the streets of Kilkenny. Nothing has changed and it's still continuing. There's an additional letter in the Kilkenny Observer. However, no guardies still on our streets. Are they all on holidays? Edward asks a texter. And, um, yeah, I think it's probably, uh, not, not, not fair to say that they're on holidays. Um, but sad to hear that the situation is continuing. That was as a result of a robust letter that was in the Kilkenny Observer with regard to, um, I suppose, antisocial behaviour, antisocial daytime behaviour. You know, we're hearing so much about antisocial behaviour on the streets uh, in Dublin, on O'Connell Street in particular, um, a lot of that in the evening. But we heard... Um, the reader described, uh, or the writer, excuse me, described in their letter to the Observer um, of very antisocial daytime behaviour happening, uh, intimidating and frightening people in terms of both shoppers and tourists and business owners as well. Um, so uh, sad to hear that that's still continuing, but um, I'm I'm hopeful that action will be will be taken if possible on that as well because it's not nice to hear such things on our streets in Kilkenny for sure and certain. Now, uh, thankfully, I can report there's no such things happening down in uh, lovely Gregnamana. So let's head down to Gregnamana and we're joined on the telephone line by Juliette O'Shea, who's a committee member from uh, the Kilkenny Town of Books Festival, which is taking place this weekend in Gregnamana. Juliette, good morning. Nice to chat with you. Good morning, Edward, and thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come on your show this morning. A pleasure and delighted to uh, chat with you about this wonderful uh, festival, which many people will be familiar with. It's running for a long number of years now, uh, Juliet, and it has done so much to promote, um, I suppose, books and all things books down in uh, in Gregnamana and in the region. Tell us what's happening, Juliet, um, this weekend and paint well, the picture, if you will. Yes, I'll give you a quick run-through of the main activities, Edward. This festival, the 2003 festival, is extra special as we celebrate. It's the 20th anniversary of the Town of Books. So we'll be having a special event and a cutting of the cake in the hub tomorrow afternoon to mark that. And hopefully we'll have as many as possible of the founder members of the Town of Books festival present at that. So starting with today, um, both today, Saturday and tomorrow, Sunday... The bookshops are open. The place is buzzing here in Greg as we speak. The bookshops are open both days from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Also, um, there's a great flow of traffic up to the Abbey Hall, where there's a fantastic craft fair both days from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then for the smaller people amongst us, 
There's a drumming workshop kicking off in the hub at 12 p.m. today. Two separate workshops, one at 12 p.m. to 12.45 and one at 1 p.m. to 1.45. And later on in the afternoon then, we have face painting from half two to half four. Um, throughout the day, today, Saturday, Cushendale Woolen Mills are open. They have an open studio all day. And the final event then tonight is our outdoor movie, which unfortunately had to be cancelled last night due to Storm Betty. Yeah, Betty push our, push, our, yeah. push our oar in. But I'm glad to say all our lovely book props and flowers survived Betty and the town is just looking fabulous. I saw that so this morning I as I was leaving. I was checking the books that, that hung there on the fair green and I was delighted to see they were still hanging. Yeah, there was a lot of people checking that out early this morning. <laughs> so the movie tonight is a cartoon saloon movie, Edward, the award-winning movie, Wolfwalkers. And that's um, in the hub at 8.30, movie and treats for children. And that's a free event. So it'll be a lovely weekend event. Hopefully um, the weather will, will be okay for that. Hopefully. So then... You have Ian and Ilana coming tomorrow. You have lots of similar events, yes. the craft fair and, and all those run tomorrow as well as the books. But Ian and Ilana will be a big treat. Yes, Aina is coming um, for a walk. It starts at the hub at 2.15 tomorrow. That's 2.15 to 3 p.m. tomorrow. Also, Fabulous Brass Band will be playing at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And there is a plan, plan air painting exhibition. That starts at 11 a.m. tomorrow to 6 p.m. And the actual exhibition will be on at 5 p.m. at the entrance to the hub. The entrance via the town there at the bridge, the hub. I was in so around... I was in around the Arts Festival during the week and was talking to renowned artist Marley Irish who's leaving the Arts Festival tomorrow to head to Gregnamana. So I thought that was testament to the success of the of the festival in Gregnamana. She's leaving um, that, she's leaving her exhibition in Kilkenny to head down for the plein air painting and exhibition as well. Fantastic. It's always a lovely, lovely event and the exhibition was super last year. So hopefully we'll have a similar experience this year. I've no doubt. Uh, the brass band, of course, Juliet, are highly revered and regarded in Greg Namana, and they're out uh, on Sunday as well. Yes, at 3pm on Sunday, we're looking forward to hearing the brass band. It's always a special treat to hear them. It certainly is. And the poetry, now this is something that I only learned of last year during the festival, that we have quite uh, a strong and growing um, series of poetry events happening in Greg Namana and they're being showcased on Sunday outside the waterside as well, Juliet. Yes, that's 3.30 tomorrow, Edward, outside the, water, uh, the waterside. And there's also a philosophy talk in the Barrow Valley Activities Hub at 4.30pm. Oh, great. So there really is a wide variety of activities, hopefully something to suit everybody. Absolutely. And one of the kind of great things about it, and we're also cognizant, Juliet, of, you know, family fun and something for everybody. But one of the kind of the great advantages of this festival is that all of the events are free, albeit that booking might be uh, required for some of the ones with smaller capacity. But all the events are free. So people can have like an inexpensive trip uh, to Greg Namana and still have lots of fun and learning therein as well. Absolutely. And there's a book for everybody and they're just so reasonable. You know, any book you're looking for, you're sure to find in Greg Namana this weekend. Lovely. And I suppose, Edward, just to mention that this would not be possible without our committee and our sponsors. I just want to give a call out to our lead sponsor this, this year was Black Knight. And it's just really nice that Black Knight are supporting us because Black Knight CTO... Um, 
um, is from is from Greg Namana. So that's just really nice that Black Knight are supporting us, um, along with Carlow County Council and Kilkenny County Council, of course, but also the local businesses, uh, Edward, as always, were absolutely overwhelmed with the support and the help. I myself was bringing down paintings, putting windows during the week, someday during the week, and someone passed up in the car and they pulled in and they said, I'm available at the weekend if you need some help. So only for the people of Greg Namana and the ongoing support, this would not be possible. How lovely. Well, Juliet, continued good wishes to yourself and the committee and congratulations on achieving that 20-year milestone of the Great Festival and long may it continue um, for sure. People can check out um, facebook.com forward slash Ireland's Booktown for uh, more uh, details and, of course, up-to-date details as they happen as well. But for now, Juliet, I'm going to let you back in and uh, check out all the goings-on there at the Town of Books. And thanks for chatting with us. And, of course, a big thank you to yourself, Edward, for your ongoing support. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Good morning. Uh, Juliet O'Shea there joining us on the telephone line. Juliet of Jewish Glass, famed down in Greg Namana as well. And uh, lovely to have her with us this morning. Now keep the text coming, O H three three O six nine six nine six. That is indeed our dinners ready dot IE contact line here on KCLR. Now, um do you know what? I told you this before, but you know, in the last little while there's just been so much bad news and, you know, tragedy and illness and death and ill health and people going through various traumas of all different kinds. Um, So I just thought this morning it might be nice just to play a little piece of music to give you a little time out, um, to give you a sense to listen to the words which are most beautiful and um, those who are suffering illnesses of body or mind or fragilities of any kind. Maybe it might be nice to just take some time out. So whatever you're doing at home, if you're at home and if you can, maybe just sit down for a few minutes and relax and listen to this and let the words just get into your very core. Here's Ella Fitzgerald with someone to watch over me. love is blind Still we're often told Seek and you shall find So I'm going to seek a certain lad I've had in mind Looking everywhere Haven't found him yet He's the big affair I cannot forget Only man I ever think of with
beautiful is that and sometimes don't we all just need somebody to watch over us and um, mind us you know that uh, that story whether, uh, whether you're of the, the biblical persuasion or others um, even to, to strip the biblical out of it if you want it but I love that kind of um, you know that piece about the footsteps in the sand I think it's uh, I think it's a gorgeous little piece and yeah Sometimes we just need someone to mind us uh, and that is for sure and certain. Let's take a break. This Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden. Now, do you know where I was last night? Uh, I thought at this stage in my life, I'm 40 years of age, I thought at this stage I had been everywhere in Kilkenny. But not so, because last night I was in Sheridan's in Ennisnag, uh, which is just outside of Stonyford. And even Stonyford is somewhere that I haven't been many times. I've been to it a couple of times, all right. But I haven't been many times. But I was in Sheridan's bar in Ennisnag last night because I was out for the performance of The Local by um, the Asylum Group. Uh, I can't think of their their, their name. The Asylum Theatre Group. Um, they were part of the Kilkenny Arts Festival and they were doing a fabulous piece last night out in the lounge of Sheridan's uh, in Ennisnag, the function room. And it was, it was kind of like a... It was kind of like uh, eavesdropping, really. There was lots of different conversations going on at the same time with actors performing them and all telling, you know, what happened on the same night. It was obviously the, the narrative was all about what happened on one night. And then you could actually just sit there and you could zone in on one piece or another and times, you know, and then they'd burst into song. But it was really, 
you know, well-formed characters, you know, the narrative was really good and it was fabulous. And tonight is the last night. I'm not sure if there are tickets left uh, available, but do check uh, out. And if it, if you were uh, at a loose end, it might be nice to head out there um, tonight, Sheridan's of Ennis Nag. Uh, also, just as you know, I do have the penchant for all things theatre. Um, last Monday, I was at the uh, production uh, as part of the Arts Festival by Barnstorm, theatre company they had uh, run a voyeuristic theatre piece in the Kilkenny Castle Park a friend of mine um, Sally Stevens, was directing and uh, one of the plays there was three plays this one was written by Joe Bergen there was three plays and the concept of it was very clever so what we had to do was you were kind of there was only a small crowd at each play uh, by, by choice and you had to kind of lurk in the bushes, you know, you were kind of like an undercover detective uh, lurking in the bushes and behind trees. And you were given a piece of uh, equipment, which was a set of binoculars. And you also had ear pods in. So you were listening in to the plays. You weren't watching them up close. You were listening in and just observing uh, on a conversation. It was a voyeuristic piece of theatre so an interesting um, an interesting endeavour as well and lots more happening uh, at the Arts Festival as well uh, see many people at the Luminarium in Kilkenny Castle um, as well and any of the concerts in the Secret Gardens and how lucky uh, we are to have such events happening there it was uh, the Arts Festival we're telling you about the Arts Festival we're telling you about the Great Namana Town of Books and we're telling you about the Tolo Show all in one uh, all in one day so it's not uh, not too bad um, at all now a couple of texts here just as we come up towards the end of the day uh, Bridget um, was on the lovely Bridget Queen of Molina Vegas as I do say she is uh, Bridget uh, Williams down there from Mullinavat she said beautiful Edward happy days I'm singing along and she sent me some flowers as well and I was just going to say Bridget you don't bring me flowers uh, I was sitting along myself here to Ella Fitzgerald. Eddie Hughes came in and he was there in his shorts. He's all togged out the very same as if he's heading to Marbella. And um, he was looking at me swaying as he came in to Ella Fitzgerald. There's nothing like a bit of Ella. Maybe I might leave it in the, I might leave her in the CD player. He might give her a run between 10 or between 12 and 2 as well. Um, another text here as well. Um, such a lovely thought, Edward. Uh, enjoyed listening to that piece of music. Going through a difficult time at the present. Enjoy your show and keep up uh, the good work as well. And that's what happens, you know. People are going through difficult times and, you know, we never know what people are going through. So it's nice to just take a little bit of time out and uh, have a look at, at things from a different angle. So it's good to uh, it's good to do that as well. Now, I also have a text uh, in here as well. And it says, can you please give my goddaughter Nisha a, a big happy sixth birthday? And that's love from her godmother, Donna. And that's Donna from Carlo, says uh, says a texter as well. So delighted and very happy uh, to do that um, as well for you. Now, um, I'm just trying to find something here. If I can put, have I the time? Uh, I'll read it very, very quickly uh, to you just as we conclude. One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene he noticed two set footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, 
He looked back at the footprints and he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there were only one set of footprints. He noticed that it happened at the lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and would never leave you during your times of trials and suffering. When you only see one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Now, the intention of that piece is not to kind of have a a religious persuasion of one or the other, but um, substitute in whatever way you like. But sometimes when things are the most difficult, we have someone that carries us along and just leaves that one set of footprints in the sand. Now, that's all very heavy to end this morning's show, but that's just what I was thinking. So when I think I'll tell you, uh, I'm going to take my leave of you now. You'll be glad to hear. Uh, Thanks so much to our wonderful producer, Amy McLaughlin, who's with us uh, this morning as well. Angela Joyle-Stewart is coming up with the news in around 12 o'clock now, Angela. Don't hold me. Don't hold me to the clock. Eddie Hughes is up next with um, the Saturday Brunch show. Lots of great music and what I'd call old soft talk. He'll have for you between 12 and 2 and of course the king of soft talk himself the kings of soft talk Robbie and Shane will be with you with the sports show from 2 o'clock on and lots happening here right throughout the day on KCLR so for sure and certain don't move the dial I'm going to have a mouthful of coffee now and I'm heading for Capamore in Limerick uh, Slána Walia uh, and I'll talk to you next week God bless